0: Via Weekly with Otto Taboos and Joe Horgan. Love you, and welcome to. Episode 29 of Latvia Weekly. I am one of your hosts, Joe Horgan. I'm here in Jelgava today, and my other host, Otto Tabuns, is over in Riga. So how are you today, Otto? Hello, everyone. It's a
1: wonderful day in the capital city, and there is a lot of energy because people are getting ready for
0: the Riga Marathon. I wish I had that much energy because I am still getting over a stomach bug, which is the reason why this episode is coming so late. We were planning on recording Tuesday, as kind of we usually do one, one, one week at a time. Uh, right now, we are recording this on Friday evening. So most of you will probably be listening to this Saturday or Sunday. Uh, so that means that we have a lot to cover going all the way back to basically two weeks ago. And one thing that we are going to start with, is the 9th of May, which was the day right after we recorded. And here in Latvia, it's very significant for two reasons. So one of those two things that we celebrate here in Latvia on the 9th of May is Europe Day. And that's the thing that you'll notice on the calendar and kind of wonder, you know, what does that mean? And uh, Otto, what exactly is this Europe Day? Uh,
1: The Europe Day is the date of 9th of May on 1950, Uh, when the uh, French Foreign Minister, Robert Schuman uh, proposed to place the French and German production of coal and steel under one common uh, authority, uh, knowing that uh, coal and steel were the key resources uh, that were necessary to wage war. And uh, in his mind, if uh, these two would be bundled together under a common European authority, that would be a way how to avoid uh, the wars uh, involving France and Germany such as World War 2, World War 1 and the uh, Franco-Prussian War uh, that uh, created uh, a lot of uh, damage havoc and uh, tragedy uh, for uh, much of Europe and uh, so uh, this was one of the the founding elements of what we now know as European Union because the European coal and steel uh, community led to establishment of the European economic community and uh, this uh, single market and the political uh, organization that the common European uh, vehicle uh, currently is.
0: And speaking of World War Two, as you just did, which mm-hmm. is the last of, like you said, these major wars that mm-hmm. have peppered Europe's history and, and really been devastating. So um, for a significant part of the population here in Latvia and also further east, world the end of World War Two is celebrated on the 9th of May, mm-hmm. um, partially because of the, uh, the time zone difference, uh, because um, when the end actually happened, and depending on the time zone, there was um, uh, a, a difference in the day. Now, here in Latvia, the end of World War Two is quite bittersweet. Because on one hand, of course, war is absolutely horrible. Mm -hmm. You know, here, for example, in Yelgova, Yelgova got completely destroyed in World War II. And a lot Mm -hmm. of cities also throughout Latvia got either completely destroyed or heavily, heavily damaged. Many, many, many people died. And of course, it is something to be happy about that something like that is over. But on the other hand, the end of World War II is also seen by a large part of the population here as something quite tragic because... We saw so many horrors from the Soviet occupation, especially right after the war, in terms of deportations, all kinds of other things. Um, so this is really one of the trickiest kind of um, sticking points between, um, you know, the more ethnic Latvian population, the more ethnic Russian population, because uh, every year in Riga there is a massive celebration on the 9th of May over by the uh, Victory Monument. And uh, Otto, can you can you tell a little bit about uh, what? Um, has traditionally kind of happened there
1: Uh, well at the victory monument uh, which was uh, built in uh, 1985 it has uh, usually been the place of uh, people either uh, connected directly to the war or uh, their descendants mostly the ones from the Soviet side and who fought for the Soviet army to come together and to commemorate and to celebrate the end of the war, which they see as one of the biggest achievements of the Soviet Union.
0: And now, of course, the reason why it's so controversial is because different people are there for different reasons. Of course, the majority of people there are um, at, at least from my perspective, are they're celebrating, you know, the lives of family members who either lost their lives or fought in this terrible, terrible war. But on the other hand, you know, you do see every year there's people, you know, wearing these very offensive t-shirts, you know, saying, you know, Putin is my president, things like that. And, you know, it is always an opportunity for, you know, certain rabble rousers to, you know, make some, you know, what kind of ever stupid point they want to make. So, you know, here anyway, on the on the 9th of May, it is always a little bit of a, uh, tricky day in terms of, um, in, in, in terms of its meaning uh, to different people in different ways. Anyway, Night of May feels like such a long time ago now. There, there is so much that has happened in, in this time period. Uh, one thing which we were planning on focusing on this episode is that now we know quite a bit about the upcoming presidential election. So um, first of all, we now know that President Veonis, who has served for a full term, uh, he's served for almost a full four years, will not continue to run again. Uh, Otto, are you surprised by this?
1: Uh, well, no, because signals uh, that uh, this might be the case uh, came across already uh, during his presidency, um, especially after the uh, government change and uh, after like some initiatives where um, president has one opinion and uh, some of the parties, including the one that nominated him, had uh, different views on. Uh,
0: so I think that was something that we could have expected. Exactly. So um, some more things that we learned about the election is that first of all, it will be happening on May 29th, which is a little bit of a surprise because generally they tend to happen in June. You know, it's just a couple days away from June. So that's that's not really uh, much of a surprise there. Uh, Another thing that's also not a huge surprise is that uh, Egios Levitz, who has for months now been considered almost, you know, the heir apparent to the to the presidency, he has been fully backed by the coalition. We're going to discuss that a little bit more next time. Also, there are two other candidates which have been uh, nominated. So that is uh, Dietz Schmitz and also Joris uh, Jansons. Next time, we are going to be recording Tuesday, as as planned, and we're going to devote a significant uh, portion of the show to kind of the presidential election preview. So So first of all, you know, who are these candidates? What are their backgrounds? How does the process work? What does the president really do? OK, so, so we're going to kind of go through all of that because it's uh, quite different from how presidents are elected uh, from a lot of different countries in the world, maybe even some of the countries that, that you're from, uh, those of you who are listening. So um, so we, we are going to basically um, wait until next episode to to really get into detail on that. But um, but we will. We promise. Right, Otto? Exactly. Now, one major story that broke today. Just just today, when we were kind of getting ready for um, the the episode, and, there, and there's still information kind of coming out as we go. Uh, another story which we're going to have to update you on in the next episode. So, the Minister of Justice, uh, Giannis Bordon's, who is the also the leader of the New Conservative Party, Yaka uh, Pe, which is the uh, largest party or the largest party in the coalition, the second largest party in Parliament. He has officially expressed a lack of confidence in the uh, Prosecutor General. Eric's Kalmyers and basically has uh, recommended that the chief justice of the Supreme Court start uh, the process of removing him. Now, Otto, how exactly would this work? How how exactly what what exactly can we expect from this process?
1: Well, uh, there certainly will be uh, the key role to the Parliament because the Parliament is the one that appoints the Prosecutor General uh, as um, the, it does with judges and other judicial offices. So uh, the parliament uh, may release uh, the prosecutor general from his job if uh, a specifically appointed uh, uh, investigator by uh, the Supreme Court chief makes an investigation and he identifies uh, some specific violations of the law that would give ground to the uh, parliament uh, to let him go. And uh, it seems that the head of the Supreme Court has announced already today that uh, he doesn't see uh, ground for such an investigation. Uh, So it will have to be then uh, a vote by the parliament. And it has to be one third of the members of the parliament that have to endorse such an investigation so that the Supreme Court then has to do it. So uh, we will have to see how successful uh, Mr. Bordans is in uh, explaining his argument to our members of the parliament.
0: Now, Otto, I am going to get into a little bit of a conspiracy mode for a minute, or not not really conspiracy, I guess mm-hmm. just, you know, do, due diligence. Now, Yana Conservativa Party or new conservative party, which uh, Gianni Bordans led into the election, you know, was nominated uh, by the president at one point to become the prime minister, uh, they were quite successful In the general election because they made very strong promises to help clean up corruption in the government Mm -hmm. and in many other sectors of uh, Latvian society. Now, since the election there really hasn't been a whole lot of action coming from um Yekepe in, in the coalition now you know the, the the big action that was done in firing mayor Neil Zushikov's which is kind of the the big story of the coalition so far that was done by OT D- by Par um, you mm-hmm. know uh, their their leader Yuris uh, Putse and Yana Conservative Partia Party has been struggling in the polls lately they they, they haven't really um, you know they've gone from one of the most popular parties to kind of down in the middling levels is there any kind of uh, political motivation behind this, do you think, to do this now rather rather than um, at, at other times? Or, you know, is this something that was planned all along? Um, what What's your take on this?
1: I think that it might be in part the response uh, to the criticism uh, that uh, there are some of these actions that were promised that are lacking and that uh, the party uh, was uh, muddled in uh, some other processes and uh, activities such as the case of uh, Mr Jurash and um, other perhaps uh, not so big points but that expended a lot of parties energy and time and uh, that is like so much more difficult for this specific party as uh, you know uh, most of its uh, members of parliament are new to politics and it it might be for objective reasons, uh, but difficult for them uh, to uh, to start out the work in the parliament. Uh, and but still, at the same time, uh, the electorate is unforgiving. And a new or old member of the parliament, uh, you would still get the same criticism for perceived action or inaction. So I don't think that it has been planned before, but that might certainly be a response to uh, the popular of uh, opinion that uh, more could be expected of JKP by now.
0: And that isn't even the only uh, kind of major figure mm-hmm. in uh, kind of mean society that Jānis Borduns has suggested firing over the last, um, you know, time that we recorded. So uh, he he's also called for the uh, dismissal of. The uh, NEPLP, the National Electronic Mass Media Council, as it's kind of translated into English, this is the media watchdog, and uh, it's its chairwoman uh, Dace uh, uh And now this watchdog has come under very, you know, he- heavy criticism over its handling of the hiring of new um, board members for Latvia's Televisia, the the um, the state the state public television. So Otto. Although there have been signs that uh, the first firing that we just mentioned might not be so successful, do you think that there might be some more political will behind uh, implementing this one?
1: I think that uh, this might be easier to uh, pull off or get through because there you do not have the big parliamentary procedure as you would have for the prosecutor general, which is, of course, uh, a much more important position uh, than the watchdog of uh, public media uh, in the general system of things. So uh, I would expect that the the media watchdog thing might actually go through, but for the prosecutor general, I think it will be much tougher battle for Bordans uh, to, to get uh, all of the coalition behind him on this.
0: Um, let's I guess stick with some other stories that have to do with the coalition right now so uh, another major story that uh, came out uh, w- within the last week and a half this is from the uh, Minister of health uh Ilse Vingele from aisti by par so there has been an announcement that the health reform which um, has been quite difficult to say the very least, uh, both by this government and also by the previous one. Um, there th- there was a major health reform that was implemented by the Kuczynski's government, which was ba- basically abandoned just a few weeks into this coalition. Now, um, kind of some ma- major developments here is that, uh, so the the minister has proposed that there could be a 51 euro a year health payment for people who are uninsured. So, so this is, uh, instead of this basically two-basket system that uh, was um, proposed by the previous government and was almost implemented, but basically there were delays in it. Uh, Sima voted to delay the implementation a few times, and then it was completely canceled by the new government. And then uh, also there was uh, this announcement that uh, the re- reform is going to be postponed until uh, d- uh, Um so, so these are... Um, kind of the, the major developments in terms of what's happening with, uh, health reform. Now, Otto, what, what do you expect by the end of all this? Is there going to actually be a major health reform that's implemented by the current government? Are they going to be able to succeed where the Kuchinska's government was, was unable to?
1: I think that if the current government uh, is there by, uh, 2021 uh then we might see uh, the health reform go through because uh, this announcement validates the analysis that we provided a couple of episodes ago uh connecting the health reform with the tax reform and understanding that if you have uh the principle that the tax policy won't be changed uh, until uh, this time and uh, you do not have uh, extra money it is not possible to uh, make a health reform, especially uh, the kind of health reform that would increase the number of people uh, that uh, uh, receive uh, uh, state medicine or have a more uh, left-wing policy on this matter.
0: One other major reform that we've been following that, uh, again, the Kuchinsis government kind of began and, and the current government has been continuing is the administrative territorial reform, which would see a massive reduction in the amount of municipalities Uh, throughout the country, uh, a reduction to just 35 from the current more than 100 that we have right now. And so there was this poll that was Mm -hmm. uh, announced by the municipality of Ixgile, which is uh, quite close to Riga. It's kind of considered like a suburb city um, where where a lot of people commute to Riga. So they announced they were going to have a poll to see how many of its uh, inhabitants wanted to uh, keep the current municipality system that we have right now, uh, the government actually went as far as saying that it wasn't; they didn't have the legal authority to carry this out. They carried it out anyway, and ninety-eight point five percent of the inhabitants uh, vote, uh, voted that they would rather keep the system as it is today. Now, Otto, um, I guess my main question right now is: uh, Does does this really matter?
1: Uh, legally speaking, no, because uh, uh, municipalities that, or the administrative units are free to make a a consultative polls, but they are uh, by no means uh, binding uh, to the uh, uh, local or uh, national uh, government. And um, my opinion would be, perhaps to paraphrase uh, the quote that was allegedly put in Marie Antoinette's mouth, that, uh, well... You know there is the 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 bread and the cake well if they wish to uh, eat the cake well let them but uh, hopefully they understand that it costs much more than bread meaning that well one might have uh, the same uh, system or try to keep the the same novelty as they had but i wouldn't be very happy if uh, i would have to then as taxpayer to subsidize this because of course it would be more expensive than under most any new system, uh, which would see uh, less uh, administrative units uh, with a larger number of population.
0: And the last coalition update I wanted to mention real quick is that there is a plan that was announced this week a sugar tax so so this is a um kind of a popular name for a tax that is considered on on soft drinks and, and possibly some other uh junk foods right now now auto this is a hot button issue or at least it was a couple of years ago in america this is something that was implemented in a lot of cities uh, very famously new york city they, uh, they they implemented uh, all kinds of various junk food taxes and and very strict regulations when it comes to unhealthy foods. Now, do you think that uh, this kind of uh, you know health uh, health tax or this kind of uh, junk food tax is this something that we're going to see in the end? And is this something that we're going to see more of?
1: Uh, I would believe that no, because if we would just like put this tax uh, in Latvia Uh, well we have to remember uh, uh, what we told like at the beginning of episode uh, of the European Union and the single market Uh, the the situation might end up uh, similar like with the difference in the access tax for alcohol where in Latvia it is lower and then people from Estonia and Finland are coming to Latvia uh, to buy up uh, the uh, cheaper uh, products and uh, that might uh, probably give the uh, biggest hit to uh domestic producers of uh, uh sweetened drinks because uh, if i understand the initiative which was put in by uh, the members of vatisti by par uh, faction they are considering taxes on uh, the soft drinks uh, i believe they talked uh, about this threshold of five grams of sugar which would mean like almost all or like the the big majority of the soft drinks like the the five the five gram bar is uh, very low.
0: I think I think that would even apply to now. Now, auto was kind of my savior when when I when I had my stomach bug because uh, in in America what we drink when uh-huh. we have you know like some kind of stomach problem is uh, Gatorade or or different sports uh-huh. drinks. And uh, I, I was trying to explain to different people, you know, who offered to go to Remy what to get. And I kept saying sports drinks and they kept thinking I meant like energy drinks, uh-huh. like Monster <laughs> or Red Bull or something. Um, so so, so Otto, Otto, thankfully, is a runner and, and he knew exactly what I meant. And, and, and he suggested and people were able to give it to me. And that's one of the reasons I'm feeling good enough right now. Um, but, I, but I think probably even that has five grams of sugar. You know, and, and I don't think anyone would call something like that a soft drink. So, so would you know that that might even be taxed as well. Uh, yes, because uh, uh,
1: like the the specific one that I recommended, uh, for you has, I believe, eleven or thirteen grams of uh, sugar in it. So, uh, it would certainly fall under such a tax, uh, if if one would be established in our country.
0: That just about does it for the coalition and kind of the major developments that have happened there. I want to move back a little bit. Uh, so we mentioned President Vaonis a little bit earlier. So he is now what we would call in America a lame duck, which means that uh, he is at the end of his uh, term. Everybody knows that he's at the end of his term. And uh, now in terms of his legacy, one major thing that he came in wanting to do was help solve this issue of non-citizens that we have here in Latvia. And uh, this is people who uh, either migrated from other parts of the uh, Soviet Union when Latvia was illegally occupied, or are descendants uh, who have not been naturalized in in some of the various uh, ways that have been um, developed over over the period since 1990. Now, his proposal has been that children of non-citizens automatically get citizenship on birth, which... They already can if their parents basically just sign sign a form. Um, but but this this would uh, stop it being an opt-in system. This would just make it an automatic system. Now, the first time that he proposed this, it did not happen. Uh, there, there wasn't a, a big enough support for it in Parliament. But it looks like that it could actually happen this time, Otto. Um, what, what do you think are the chances now at this point?
1: I think the chances are high because the... The composition of the Parliament uh, is considerably different uh, than it was uh, before the Octobers uh, election and uh, you would have uh, more uh, political parties that could be um, easier going on uh, this particular uh, matter. And uh, also in the numerical terms it uh, wouldn't uh, affect uh, so uh, many people as there have been only 300 children in the last 6 years who have uh, still continued with their status as non-citizens because their parents didn't choose for them to become uh, citizens. So it is also not such a big deal. So that, let's say, uh, the National Alliance uh, would threaten the coalition over this, even though they will certainly have a free vote, meaning that uh, each of the coalition parties uh, ought to be able to uh, vote uh, as they wish on this.
0: Exactly. And we will be also discussing a little bit about uh, President Vionis' legacy, um, probably in the episode after uh, he, he officially um, hands over the, uh, hands over the uh, presidential. Um, I, I don't know, actually, Otto, what, what exactly do, do the presidents in Latvia hand over to the, to the successors? Because I know a little bit about the traditions for the prime ministers, but uh, do, do you know exactly how that works uh, when, when, when presidents uh, hand over uh, to, to another president in Latvia?
1: Well, I, I don't believe that we have a tradition similar to, let's say, the United States or, or France, uh, and uh, that is usually quite a low-key uh, event.
0: And, and that's also because uh, the, the president here in Latvia is, is considerably less powerful than the president in the United States or mm-hmm. um, or France. Obviously, they are still the head of state. They're you know, mm-hmm. they, they have a, a very serious role in the time of crisis. You know, they, they are the uh, commander in chief of the Latvian army when, when there is this time of crisis. But the, the presidency is a little bit low key here in Latvia. So, so that does, I guess, uh, make sense.
1: Yeah, as we are um, in contrast to these uh, two countries, including that of your own, a parliamentary country and all the center of power lies on Yakub Street.
0: Now moving to Riga, so Otto, we're we're going into your neighborhood right now. A uh, couple of stories here you now. Riga City Council. So uh, I, I think a lot of you will be very happy to hear that uh, Riga City Council has begun to reinforce uh, the Deglova Bridge. And this is the bridge that was closed. If um, if you don't recognize the name uh, right off the top of your head, you might recognize the traffic if you've been in Riga over the last couple of weeks. Uh, this is a bridge that was closed because it was in dangerous condition. It links the uh, neighborhoods of uh, Porfsiems and Plauniaki, which are uh, major residential neighborhoods, with the, with the center. And uh, this is a bridge that's been deteriorating very badly. Uh, it was built in a very interesting way to say the very least mm-hmm. uh in in the first place and um right now it's it's been reopened to um to at least public transportation and uh pedestrians ha, ha, has it has it been reopened to uh traffic auto I, I was actually out of it a little bit over the last few days but 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 it hasn't been reopened to traffic uh to car traffic so yet, has uh... it?
1: uh i i i read today that it will we can expect uh, it to be open to all traffic on sunday but currently only public transportation and emergency services are the only ones uh, and uh, so is uh, pedestrians and uh, uh, bikers that are able to uh, cross it
0: so um, apparently they have started doing some kind of emergency uh, reparation works on the on the bridge's beams mm-hmm. now the, the problem from what I've heard in in some different uh, shows I've listened to that've analyzed the situation is that um, you know, it, it was built in such an unusual way that it's very difficult to determine, you know, what exactly needs to be done and, uh, you know, wh- where exactly they need to, um, you know, re- really strengthen. So uh, do, you, do you see a long term solution to this right now, Otto? Or are they just going to kind of continue uh, spackling? Is it, it it as we say in, in English or, um, you know, do, doing little reinforcements? Or uh, do you think that there is going to be kind of a major a major overhaul of this bridge in, in the um, in, in the near term?
1: Uh, I think that uh, considering the havoc that the closing of the bridge uh, created initially, uh, I would expect that they would be very resistant to the idea of uh, closing it and uh, rebuilding it completely, which of course would be something uh, that is necessary because the bridge was built in 1966 and uh, also taking into account the, the the, the, the quite a big age the bridge has, it hasn't been very well kept, uh, especially in the last couple of decades. So, probably until the time that they get money to rebuild it completely, I think it might go on uh, with these uh, temporary uh, reinforcements, uh, all the steel beams and everything that might be suitable for now. But certainly, in the short to medium term, they will have to reconstruct the bridge completely. Um, uh, before it falls into a state of disrepair.
0: Now, here's a fun question, Otto. In America, in any election, we hear about this issue of America's crumbling infrastructure and what Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if it's the Republicans, the Democrats, independents, that they're going to do X about America's crumbling infrastructure. And this really came after the the tragic um, Minneapolis uh, bridge collapse that happened about a decade ago now. Is this going to become an election issue, especially since municipal elections are coming up in, in just about two years from now? Uh, is this going to become uh, some, some kind of uh, ma- major election issue? Are, are different parties going to make this a, uh, a platform plank? Because this isn't something that I've heard at least in my time here in Latvia, usually we hear about, you know, for example, how how much affordable housings are going to be, how much, uh, you know, how many kindergarten spaces there are going to be. It, it, do you think that this is going to become a uh, kind kind of something uh, that the people wave their flags about?
1: I believe that it will certainly not become such an issue as it is in the United States, uh, because uh, even though. Um, the people in Riga have a lot of cars uh, we have a much bigger reliance on the public transportation system so the uh, the state of uh, the uh, rail system or the bus network uh, might affect more people than uh, perhaps uh, it would uh, in the United States. Uh, also, there is this uh, difference of jurisdictions as uh, there are uh, some roads uh, in cities and beyond that are under national uh, responsibility and then there, the rest of them are under municipal responsibility. And at the same time, you also have this division of the uh, income tax between the central and the municipal uh, governments. And so you could see, more like a ping-pong rather uh, than uh, an issue that might be relevant for the election. But I wouldn't be surprised, actually, or I would hope that if some of the parties uh, actually catch this, that they might make it an issue uh, for the European election, because uh, uh, a lot of uh, national uh, roads, for example, have been... uh, Put uh, into uh, a better state by using funds uh, from the European Union. And probably one of the biggest uh, threats to the future of uh, um, Latvian road infrastructure is this decrease of European funds that has been used uh, to uh, make our roads better. And a smart party would use this as a European election issue uh, because it might actually matter more there. Uh, than it would uh, for the municipal or even national election.
0: And speaking of transportation in Riga, so the at the uh, in terms of the transportation department, so uh Vitalis Rehnbaums, who was the director has returned to he, the head of the department. Um, and the um, and the uh, kind of acting head uh, Emils Jakrins has been kicked out of that position right now, Otto. So um what what exactly is the story behind this? Was this an expected move, or is this something that's going to be contested in the near future?
1: Well, uh, this was an expected move because there was apparently bad blood between uh, the mayor uh, of Riga at that time, Mr. Ushakovs, and uh, Mr. Rainbachs, uh, who was in charge of uh, Riga transportation. And uh, then uh, Mr. Oshakov tried to fire him, uh, but uh, used uh, inconsistent legal argumentation. And in the specific document uh, they used uh, more of uh, news and reports from media rather than actual documents uh, that they might find in their own uh, Riga city council. And as a result, this went through a long uh, court process and Mr. Reinbach uh, was uh, on a, a, a furlough only uh, on the sense that, well, he wasn't doing the job. He was prohibited from doing his job, but at the same time, He couldn't be let go because of uh, the trade union rules and uh, continue to receive uh, his pay. And in the end, the court decided that Mr. Ushakov was wrong and uh, Mr. Reinbach was wrongfully uh, prohibited from doing his job. So uh, he now uh, is returning back. And actually, I believe it was like two months ago that he actually came back to the department. Uh, Mr. Ushakov used uh, his uh, right to rotate... uh, mr Rainbach's to another position for up to two months and so mr Rainbachs worked as a uh, controller of public transportation i believe in regard to the uh, parking violations so we could certainly see this uh, a personal uh, antipathy between uh, these two uh, people and the way how it ended up spending our taxpayers money
0: so i guess the question at the end of the day is is this going to make any difference in terms of the mess that we have right now in terms of transportation in Riga, um, that, that now he is back in his chair? Is this going to improve or, or worsen the situation or what? Uh,
1: it might uh, help the situation because if we believe the uh, allegations and many of the things that happened uh, in the Riga transportation system in a bad way, this might be something that uh, Mr. Reinbachs might have the chance and the will to change and make better, because one of the speculations of why there was this bad blood between uh, Mayor Ushakovs and uh, Mr. Reinbachs was that uh, Mr. Reynbach's, uh allegedly wasn't willing uh, to do some of uh, the things, some of the allegedly questionable things that uh, Mr. Ushakovs allegedly asked him to do. So hopefully this will be a change for the best. Uh, we'll have to wait and see.
0: And speaking of allegedly sketchy things Mm -hmm. (laughs) on Riga, so apparently the Riga Tourism Development Agency is the next uh, kind of, uh, (laughs) I don't know, uh, Riga organization that is now under fire. So the state Audit office has claimed that they misspent 20 million euros, and the head of that agency was uh, just recently arrested by Knob, and and that head Vita uh was a member also of uh, God's Colpo Riga, which is one of uh, which is the kind of partner party in the coalition on Riga City Council with uh, Saskinya, which is the party of former mayor Niels Ushakovs. Um, so, Otto, what what can we expect to see from from this case right here?
1: I think that we can expect uh, a, a, quite a juicy court proceeding and litigation, because Mr. Ushakov hasn't commented uh, so far. Um, also, the um, uh, vice mayors, uh, I think both of them, uh, have been quite... Uh, distant uh, in their way of uh, talking about this and also a colleague of uh, Miss Yermolovich at the time of uh, the, the operative activities of Knab uh, was on a business trip in uh, Russia um, and uh, he has yet to return from it because uh, he has informed his colleagues that uh, there has been uh, health incident and the doctors uh, do not permit him uh, to uh, fly uh, back to Latvia as if that would be the only way how to travel between the two countries. Uh, so uh, that is certainly not good news for uh, either uh, the current coalition at the Riga uh, municipality or uh, both of the pa- parties that are involved in uh, this. Uh, so um, Uh, Let's see whether it will have any material effects on on this election. Not so sure, but uh, certainly it won't help uh, them uh, with the uh, next uh, municipal election if uh, a number of their leaders, uh, such as Ms. Jarominovich, are uh, implicated in um, uh, processes like this.
0: So um, you're basically saying, as we'd say in America, that uh, Miss uh, Yarmilovic uh, might be being thrown under the bus or under the trolley bus mm-hmm. right now uh, by the rest of yeah, the party. So. Under
1: the political trolley bus of uh, Riga city political process. Yeah.
0: And what a trolley bus that is mm-hmm. right now. So um, that that's it for uh, Riga. We will <laughs> certainly come back uh, in their next episode. Um couple of rapid fire stories I want to get into real quick uh, that we didn't quite cover. Uh, a lot of the rapid fire stories that we were going to cover, we, we already kind of got to a little bit, um, but a few that we didn't get to. So first of all, there was this very interesting story that uh, there was 12 passenger ferry employees in uh, uh, port that were busted for cigarette smuggling. Now, cigarette smuggling. Um, for for those of you who aren't familiar uh, with um, kind of Latvian crime, is uh, quite a common item, I guess, to smuggle here in Latvia. And uh, you know, if if you ever walk around the central market, uh, you can find all kinds of um, uh, sketchy people who are who are uh, in, involved in this uh, trade right here. And um, apparently, they uh, acquired the state police acquired a hundred six thousand two hundred. Uh, illegal cigarettes So this is um, Scottius Stud elve That was uh, Reporting this right here So um, Otto Do do we Do we have A precedent of this Being a problem Now with With ferries Or with ferry staff Because usually When we hear about this It's like truck drivers It's it's people over the road um, Is this something That they're going to have to be uh, Kind of cracking down on Right now and, and, and seeing that Maybe Maybe all these Counterfeit cigarettes Or sorry Contraband cigarettes Have been coming in On the passenger ferries
1: Oh I think that is probably uh, one of the uh, newest uh, incidences and like one of the newest ways how it is done. But that is nothing surprising and uh, we have seen also uh, a number of ways of also the train system has been involved in this because uh, uh, most if not all of these uh, cigarettes come from uh, Russia and Belarus uh, owing to the uh, difference of uh, cigarette prices and uh, difference of access tax. And of course uh, it is possible to illegally profit from uh, getting uh, cheaper uh, cigarettes in Russia and Belarus and then uh, trying to sell them uh, in Latvia for European prices uh, or uh, even to take the ferry and then go to Sweden and try to sell them for Swedish prices which are uh, even bigger than they are here. Uh, so that is uh, nothing new and that is an uh, ongoing uh, problem that we will probably have for as long as uh, you have the difference of uh, price uh, and the difference of the mm, uh, the, the tax regime uh, on, on the both uh, sides of uh, the uh, European single market.
0: Um, another story right here that, that came up uh, over the last week and a half. So apparently inflation is up 1.1%. Uh, percent for prices of goods, okay, uh compared to March twenty nineteen and, and April twenty nineteen and, and prices of services rose uh zero point three percent. So Otto, I'm I'm going to put you on the spot right now and, and boil us down to the simplest economics mm-hmm. possible. Uh do you see this as a as a positive sign or a negative sign of the economic situation right now?
1: Well looking at my wallet I would see this as a positive sign because if the inflation is low, that means that the prices don't go up and I'm Uh, able to uh, spend more of my money, uh, like to go to the uh, opera or to go to the cinema or another ride to to run by the beach rather than on some basic uh, goods such as food. Uh, At the same time, well, hopefully the trend doesn't go then the other way because one of the motivations for uh, inflation is also the level of salaries and the activity of economy. Uh, So hopefully it is not an early sign that the economy is uh, cooling down and the the big growth that was expected, at least in the latter stages of the last government, might not uh, result uh, in a way that it was expected.
0: Well, well, hopefully uh, that ends up being the case and that this ends up being a uh, good sign of the economy and that we do uh, continue having the stability that we've had and uh, kind of the favorable conditions uh, for at least uh, consumers here. Um, Another story that I want to get to before... We talk a little bit about sports and then also international and, and also the weeks in history in the future. There was a story on Delphi that uh, so urbanization and suburban sprawl, which has been a trend in in um, America and in much of the West for for years and years and years, uh, is a stable trend here in Latvia and that um, Riga is uh, attracting large amounts of um, residents from various regions of uh all, all over Latvia, really, and you know this this is something that we're seeing all over the country. And then um, a lot of residents of Riga have been moving to the suburbs. So th- this sounds like a very natural process. But you know, w- with the way that uh, Latvia developed, very kind of artificially during um, you know d- during the illegal occupation of the of the late 20th century, th- th- this this hasn't always necessarily been the trend since since things were a lot more kind of centrally controlled. Um, so do do you think do you think that this is uh, going to continue continue or are we going to are we going to continue to see this kind of suburban sprawl kind of continue and Uh,
1: i think that uh, we will be able to see it continue and uh, it certainly uh, won't become less uh, that people might change their minds because they won't like many of them do have more opportunities and uh, there are uh, more uh, uh, industries and uh, more uh, uh, a variety of uh ways how to raise your capital and to get more money for the work that you do uh, in uh, the central part of Latvia Uh, but uh, the limit that we might see there is the limit of infrastructure uh, especially uh, at the time when you have uh, the Riga proper as one municipality and the other municipalities such as Marupe, uh, Czarnikov, Jurmala and uh, Uagre uh, as other uh, in the way that they do not have an integrated uh, transit planning and uh, integrated uh, infrastructure. So uh, people will be willing to move there uh, and uh, 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 until the time that let's say the commute becomes uh, insufferable. So that goes also back to the uh, discussion that we had uh, in one of our previous episodes that uh, should one be the transit uh, or transport minister uh, where the first priority of investment should be. So it could be a question whether we need, let's say like more tram lines in Liepaj or Dalgopils or whether we might actually need like a a tram or a trolley line, uh, let's say to Marupe uh, or to Jurmala.
0: And that sprout brings us to our sports section today, which is dominating a lot of people's minds right now because we have a major sporting event going on here in Latvia. Um, well, it's not happening here in Latvia. It's, it's actually happening in Slovakia, but it is on the mind of a lot of people here in Latvia, and this is the International Hockey Federation Championship. Now, Latvia, uh, the good news, we'll start with the good news. So we, we had some um, major wins against Austria and Italy, the bad news is that we also had some very painful losses against Switzerland and the Czech Republic. And um, especially the game against the Czech Republic, this was just brutal because we were up 2-0 at one point. And, uh, you know, Czech Czech Republic is a massive hockey powerhouse, is, has been for, for a very long time. And uh, we ended up losing, um, I, I believe it was uh, 5-3. And, um, yeah, just, uh, just, 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 just a really kind of horrible way to, to, to end that game. Uh, and the, also the game against Switzerland, I remember watching that. I don't know if you get a chance to watch that auto, but, uh, it was very, very close the entire way through. And then just at the end, um, you know, Switzerland, Switzerland pulled ahead. And I, I just remember watching with, uh, my wife and, you know, she just said like, yeah, you know, just, it's, we're not going to win. You know, it, there was just this kind of one moment where, where it just looked, uh, very bad
1: and uh, also like even though we have had the better and uh, also the not so uh, good games in hockey i'm still happy that uh, our team is one of the uh, top 10 or top 12 best teams in the world so at least uh, we can uh, conclude that from what we saw uh, the last weeks
0: oh absolutely and um no no now the way the uh, hockey championship works is that uh just like in a, a lot of uh european leagues we, we don't really have the system here in america but in a lot of uh U- european leagues for various sports um there's promotion and relegation and and the uh, lowest teams in the tournament each year are uh relegated to the to the lower level uh latvia hasn't been relegated mm-hmm. in, i i don't i don't even know how long and you know even though. Um, you know, even though it's always disappointing every year that, you know, oh, we only made it so far, we could have made it a bit farther. You know, the fact that Latvia is such a major... Force and, you know, is, is always in this, um, you know, in the championship. You know, Estonia and Lithuania aren't, you know, mm-hmm. uh, necessarily every single year. And, um, you know, so, so really Latvia is quite respectable in, in the world of hockey and, and really has been for, for a very long time.
1: Uh, and that also explains why hockey is practically the, the closest to a national religion that Latvia will ever get.
0: Also, more bad news for Latvian sports. So uh, Latvia's long jumper, Inita Radovica who won fourth place at the 2012 London Olympic Games? Uh, so she was officially uh, disqualified from that uh, from that position due to a uh, uh, failed drug test. Um, I-, I guess the the one good news from that is at least we didn't lose a medal yes. from our from our medal count. So. You know, that. that I, I guess that's, uh, you know, the silver lining to, to only getting fourth place in 2012 is at least we didn't lose a medal in 2019.
1: Exactly, because uh, Latvia actually does have uh, more medals uh, uh, per uh, inhabitants than many of the other countries.
0: Besides Lutheranism. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to cut that out. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, that, that, was a, that, was a, that was a theology joke, Otto. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I thought that was good. Mm. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but uh, blah, blah, blah. international. So um, so that brings us to the end of our sports section. And auto. Now, in this time as well, not only did quite a bit happen in Latvia, but a lot happened all over the world that uh, could have an impact on Latvia in the uh, near or medium future. So um, first of all, we we have a very sad story that we had to, we have to follow up on. And we we mentioned this in our last episode, but uh, unfortunately the story has become even sadder. And I I think you're probably going to have to start with that one.
1: Yes. uh Yes. uh, we have to uh, well, give our uh, condolences and uh, deepest sympathies uh, for the family of uh, Albanian Major uh, Claudian Tanushi, who is the second soldier who has died uh, after the explosion in uh, Adagi base uh, when trying to defuse uh, unexploded ordnance uh, that you have uh, so much uh, in uh, the uh, territory and which is still. Uh, a problem for Latvia uh, so many years after World War 2 and other conflicts that saw um, as Joe mentioned before the destruction of many Latvian cities and also the uh, proliferation of Latvian countryside with uh, uh, unexploded ordnance so uh, we are sad uh, about this and uh, we wish to express our deepest sympathies to albania and uh, thank them for their ultimate sacrifice uh, to the safety and security of this part of the world and also uh, Uh, for this I wanted to mention to uh, all of our listeners uh, who will now, uh, with the beginning of the uh, good weather and uh, sunny season uh, which is now open, is uh, uh, to be uh, uh, careful especially when uh, picking mushrooms uh, in the areas close to, let's say, uh, Adagy polygons or there are also like some of the other uh, former uh, military um, installations uh, to be careful, uh, remembering uh, of the many conflicts that we have had and the uh, many places where unexploded ordnance might be and if you happen uh, to come into contact that you think might be an unexploded ordnance you are of course recommended uh, not to uh, touch it and to contact the National Armed Forces where they have the specialists who will be uh, able uh, to uh, deal with this much better than uh, any other of us we have to look a little bit further to the south to lithuania where a presidential election just took place and uh, uh, they had uh, uh, a number of uh, candidates uh, and uh, none of them uh, won uh, at least 50 percent which means that uh, ingrid uh, simonita and gitana snausada uh, will fight the second round um, in the coming days and uh, prime minister saudi Skvernelis, who came uh, third uh, ought to uh, resign uh, after his promise to do so if he does not make it to the second round. And uh, he's also uh, the Lithuanian politician that uh, became a little bit famous by his comment that Latvians are more of uh, competitors to Lithuanians rather than brothers or uh, friends, uh, which was uh, later denounced by the current Lithuanian president. So whichever, should it be uh, Ms. Simonita or uh, Mr. Nausada, Uh, to become the president of Lithuania we might still uh, see a very good relationship uh, between our two countries Uh, then also uh, important news uh, for a more transatlantic perspective is that uh, uh, President Trump has nominated the uh, new US uh, ambassador to Latvia and uh, at least uh, the mm, uh, view among uh, some of the experts here is uh, that uh, his selection Uh, is a good sign for our relationship because uh, President Trump has selected a career diplomat uh, rather than a political appointee and uh, that would show that uh, the Baltic States is uh, as much as a priority uh, for the uh, American administration uh, and United States which is uh, our key strategic partner as it has been uh, previously.
0: And actually, I just want to make a quick note also, speaking of Mr. Trump. So uh, some of you who are not listening from America, which is probably most of you, might be shocked to know that even though our next election takes place on November 3rd, 2020, that the presidential campaign is already in Mm -hmm. full swing. There are more than 20 candidates on the Democratic side of the field that have announced their candidacy. And there's even some Republican challengers as well. Um, So our elections take a very 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 long time so we're, we're not going to comment on them right now because it, it's still such an early phase but as the campaign continues and as uh, candidates kind of um flesh out their foreign policies we will definitely analyze how um how that could affect uh, the relationship with with nato and europe and, and of course latvia and speaking of europe Otto, there were some major developments recently in the european election and one is that over in the uk there were um, some shock Polling data that that's come out and looks mm-hmm. pretty consistent that a third party. So this is the Brexit Party, which was founded just a few months ago by Nigel Farage of the um, UKIP, which uh, was another party that he that he helped to found in the in the nineteen um, eighties, I believe. Uh, so he he left that party because he believed that it was being, uh, or at least he says that he was uh, he believed that it was being hijacked uh, by the far right. So he created this new Brexit Party, and it looks like it could actually. Get more votes than both the Labour Party and the Conservative Party uh-huh. in in the um and, and those are the two you know major parties in the um in in the British political scene, just like you know the Democrats and the Republicans in in, in America. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar with Britain's politics, now Otto, what what can we if this data ends up being true, and and if the Brexit Party does uh, make you know massive massive gains in the European election, what? exactly does this mean for both brexit and also for um, for the european union
1: i think that it won't change much for brexit because the members of european parliament uh, do not have uh, such an influence and specifically in the british case won't have uh, the influence comparable to the uh, westminster parliament on deciding uh, the way uh, out of the european union Uh, Also, we have to remember that uh, that was probably not so expected from the British side, but they have to participate in the election of the European Parliament because of the delay. Uh, But even uh, if the Brexit party uh, gets a number of uh, seats in the Parliament, uh, well, their time in the Parliament uh, could expectedly be not uh, so long, because if the British leave by... Uh, October, then probably it will be uh, not even like half a year uh, for them to uh, uh, try to make some political capital out of the position in Brussels that uh, will uh, have to leave uh, earlier than many of their peers.
0: So with the new European Parliament also comes the new European Commission, which is also another one of the major um, political organizations of the European Union and quite influential in terms of uh, European policy. And so there was this report by The Independent uh, that I was reading a couple of days ago that uh, if the kind of center-left uh, coalition, the, 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 the uh, socialist uh, coalition, as it's called, um, win control of the European Commission, which is a possibility that there could be a push to introduce a uh, minimum wage throughout the, uh, throughout the EU. Now, Otto, do you see this as a possibility or, or even a likelihood? Or is this just, um, you know, another one of those kind of Predictions that comes out before elections and then never really materializes.
1: Uh, I think that it is a little bit uh, sensationalist because uh, it, it won't be the uh, Westminster system in Brussels. Like even if the um, socialist and social democrat uh, forces uh, get a, a bigger chunk of the votes than the others, uh, they would still have to uh, create a coalition of uh, some kind. And I would believe that. Uh, Plans like this would still uh, water down because uh, there might be a considerable opposition uh, from the national member states uh, Wishing on the European Union uh, not to uh, get uh, too far uh, into the national decision-making territory And also it will be not only the question of the success of Social Democrats or the left Uh, but also the success of the populist parties and then the question uh, with uh, which the populist parties would be more likely to cooperate Uh, would it be the parties on the left or the parties on the right and in several countries I would expect that it would be perhaps like more the parties uh, on the right that the populist parties might be willing to cooperate Uh, but uh, there are like many unknowns there, and uh, uh, the the Social Democrats would still have to uh, hold their guns <laughs> and uh, to to see how it actually pans out and uh, how they are able to negotiate the the composition of the new commission who becomes the head of it but also very important uh is the matter who uh, takes which portfolio as the vice president for example as um, our own representative uh, Dombrovskis has in dealing with the euro and other important matters
0: So we will uh, continue following any developments in the European election uh, after we cover the presidential election next week, if if any come up. Uh, But Otto, I think it is time now to go both to the week in history and also to the week in the future. Um, so I understand on May 15th, there was quite a major historical event here in Latvia. Uh, yes,
1: and uh, if you have uh, uh, read uh, a little bit more of the material that we have put on our uh, webpage, uh, com and uh, some of the other uh, news that we have uh, informed you about, uh, then you uh, would know of uh, Mr. Carlos Sulman and the uh, key role that he had in the early development of our country. Uh, he used to be the uh, first head of uh, Latvian government when the country was established and uh, his activities played a very important role in uh, sailing through uh, the uh, very grave dangers that uh, Latvia uh, had um, between 1918 and 1920 uh, when uh, the Latvian War of Independence uh, took uh, place. Uh, but uh, with all the uh, good things uh we have to also remember the uh more controversial things that he's also associated with and one of them is the uh coup that he uh organized on uh, may 15 1934 so uh it was uh, uh only uh the, second, uh, of, uh, and, uh the second decade of latvia and the second decade of our um, uh, new uh, parliamentary democracy and uh, before uh, the coup, he was the head of uh, the government and he was also the head of the Latvian Farmers Union, which was the uh, the biggest uh, conservative force uh, in the parliament. And uh, they were trying to push for constitutional reform uh, to uh, decrease the number of uh, members of parliament and to uh, increase uh, the powers of the uh, government. And uh, at the same time, uh, with the economic uh, crisis Uh, actually going downwards Um, so uh, also did uh, go the popularity of the Latin Farmers Union and uh, the impression that people who pushed these constitutional reforms were um, uh, that uh, it wouldn't be possible to get these these changes that they uh, wanted to in a constitutional way and so uh, Karl Suleman is owing to his popularity uh, and the Uh, his uh, contacts uh, in the army and um, in um, other circles of the uh, civil administration organized a coup uh, and uh, it was successful uh, and as a result uh, the parliament was unconstitutionally let go and uh, he uh, continued as the uh, prime minister uh, up until uh, 1940 uh, the Soviet occupation uh also what you might have uh, heard uh, perhaps is that uh, in 1936 when the term of the then president albert Squiesis, uh, uh, ran out uh, he also started uh, meaning carl sullmann also started to style himself as the uh, president of the country and uh, this was a story similar to uh, many cases in europe where Perhaps on the continent only the Scandinavian countries and uh, Czechoslovakia were uh, the ones that were able to keep up their democracies. Uh, And uh, even though uh, the period was uh, non-democratic and that certainly didn't help uh, the centralization of power uh, when um, World War II started, we have to know that uh, his uh, regime was bloodless and uh, no one uh, was... Uh, killed uh, under his orders or uh, by his regime. So at least uh, we were able to avoid uh, this kind of regime uh, in contrast to a number of other uh,
0: European countries. So thank you very much Otto for uh, that look at the uh, coup. Now tell us a little bit about what we can expect for the coming few days. Now there's a few things to look forward to I think.
1: Uh, exactly, and the, the two biggest of them uh, are, of course, the Marathon of uh, Riga, that I mentioned, which will happen on Sunday, the May 19th, uh, but uh, uh, another uh, option for people who are perhaps not necessarily fond of running is, of course, uh, the Night of Museums, uh, which will uh, take place on um, a Saturday evening, uh, when... Uh, many museums and uh, public institutions uh, including uh, the parliament uh, will be open starting uh, from evening up until midnight uh, and uh, letting you free access to them uh, to get to know more about their uh, history, about their role uh, in our country uh, and also uh, will allow you to see a number of museums uh, for free uh, uh, and that is of course a chance that you do not uh, get for the rest of the uh, year so um, it is my warm recommendation for all of you especially for the ones who have recently arrived to Latvia uh, to, to go there and uh, uh, save a lot of money by seeing uh, the best things that Latvian art, culture, and history can offer to you.
0: And the only thing I will warn you is that uh, in some of the more popular museums, there are massive, massive, massive lines. Um, one nice thing that you might want to consider is if you're going to stay in Riga, um, for those of you in Riga, Uh, You might want to consider seeing some of the um, less kind of famous museums. There's all kinds of different museums that that you can look at, not just, you know, for example, the, you know, the art museum or the chocolate museum. Uh, There's tons of fascinating museums that you uh, might never have heard of. I'm not going to go through a huge list of them right now because there's just too many to name, Um, but you can definitely look on the website and take a look at those or take the opportunity to get outside of Friga because this happens all over the country. um, And, you know, as Otto mentioned, and and it could be a, a good chance to see somewhere else in Latvia.
1: Yeah, I, I, I wanted to mention that uh, like uh, to find out more, uh, our listeners can visit the website uh, museu-nakt.lv uh, to plan out their um, uh, tour in Riga and beyond.
0: And also that is the same night as Eurovision, the Eurovision Grand Finals, which unfortunately Latvia will not be taking part in for the third year in a row, unfortunately, Our uh, Eurovision entry carousel was eliminated in the semifinals on Thursday. So this is uh, yet another year of disappointment for Eurovision, but there is always next year. Right, Otto?
1: Yeah, so forget about Eurovision. Good luck to uh, Estonia and uh, other uh, countries that we know very well that will participate. And enjoy the night of museums and enjoy the uh, thousands of happy
0: people that will run on Sunday. And uh, before we close out, I also just want to mention that uh, a few days ago, for those of you who are subscribed to the podcast, which all of you should, if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. It really um, helps us and, and also make sure to spread the word about us. Um, so so we did release an episode on Monday, and this is one that um, I recorded actually quite a, quite a while ago at the... Um, uh, beginning of April, and I just haven't really had a chance to put it together because the end of the school year is 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 always uh, quite stressful. But um, so so this was an interview with the founders of the first Lego League. Uh, organization here in latvia which is a robotics education organization and it's a look into um, some of the alternative education that's happening here in latvia and this is going to be the beginning of a series of interviews that uh, i'm going to be doing and auto is going to be doing over uh, the, the next few months and uh, w- which we're going to be talking to different people who are making a difference here in latvia um, both Latvians and also uh, foreigners and, you know, may- maybe um, some less famous people, some more well-known people who are, you know, making an impact here but aren't necessarily, you know, in the news right now for, you know, good or bad reasons. Um, so so that's kind of the start of that. So we're going to be releasing those periodically in addition to the kind of weekly update episodes where we're going to continue um, covering covering the news.
1: And uh, after listening to our podcast, uh, we can recommend to all of our listeners to enjoy the good weather because apparently in the coming days it will become much warmer up uh, until uh, even 27 degrees uh, so uh, take care like drink a lot of water uh, sunglasses hats like don't overheat and enjoy what seems to be
0: uh, the start of the summer and make sure to always wear sunscreen as well because uh, mm-hmm. you know even, even here in the Baltics the sun is quite strong Th- thank you Otto and, and thank you everyone and, and Visulabu mm-hmm. Visulabu